Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, uh, we're going to be going uh, to the book of Acts in a moment. And then a little bit later, we'll go to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be talking about uh, the, the, the title of my message is Trouble Came. Trouble Came. Wow. Uh, if you've lived very long, you know that uh, trouble comes. You know, it does. We don't have to ask for it. Trouble comes. Well, and the accounts that we are going to read about tonight in Acts chapter 20 took place in or around the year A.D. 56, give or take, you know, a, a year. Uh, some of you who have read through the book of Acts, you're going to remember the Apostle Paul at this point, when we get to Acts chapter 20, he has been teaching for two years in Ephesus in a school that, uh, in, in, in a building that belonged to another man there in Ephesus. And the Apostle Paul had been teaching the Bible. You know, it, it was evidently a two-year Bible school, and he had been teaching there for two years. And, and uh, people were being sent out. Citizens of Ephesus had been coming to the Lord. And Ephesus, in that period of time, many people imagined it had somewhere between 60,000 and 250,000 thousand people living in Ephesus at that time it was one of the major cities of the Roman Empire there in your Asia which is now Turkey and uh, right on the uh, Aegean Sea on the far west coast and so uh, the Apostle Paul had been teaching there and Ephesus at that period was perhaps the most demonic city in all of the Roman Empire, perhaps in all of the known world at that point. Uh, and they had had a temple to a god there, to a goddess there, uh, that had been there since 750 B.C. And uh, people had been raised, generation after generation after generation, had been raised passing down their idols and passing down their books that had incantations written in them and they had passed them down so many of the citizens of Ephesus had got born again that whenever uh, the, the Apostle Paul said well let's have a book burning you know burn your curious arts well he didn't actually say that somebody else started that but but they started a bonfire to burn these demonically inspired incantations and also some of their idols. And the Bible says that the price of what was destroyed in that one night equaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, a piece of silver was one day's wage in the world at that time. So there were 50,000 days of wages that were burned up uh, because they represented idolatry and demons, they were uh, they, they were uh, incantations and books that had been handed down that that literally uh, invoked and conjured up demons and uh, you know were were you know spells that were cast these types of things. Well, this so infuriated one of the main businesses in Ephesus. One of the main businesses was a silversmith business. They had so many silversmiths 
who made jewelry and made idols that they even had a silversmith guild, as it were. Okay? They had a, a local. <laughs> and so, and so uh, the leader of this was a man named Demetrius. And he got so upset because so many citizens in Ephesus were no longer buying the idols and the silversmith was going out of business. And they were losing money. You know, it's always somewhere about money, isn't it? The love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Well, Demetrius began to spread it around that Paul was the one that was running these silversmiths out of business because he was preaching some strange gospel that was contrary to what, uh, what they were supposed to be teaching in, in the Roman Empire. And so, uh, you know, he just kept, kept on, and the people began to hear him, and they began to get frustrated and aggravated. And some of them, the Bible says, did not even know what they were hearing. They didn't even understand what all the commotion was about. But there was a great uproar, and a mob gathered, and nothing draws a crowd like a crowd. And pretty soon, there were about 25. 5,000 people in the city of Ephesus that were packed into the theater, which if you've gone with me to Ephesus or go in the future, you'll know when we go to Turkey, I show you that 25,000 seat theater. It's still sitting right there in Ephesus. What a marvelous, marvelous piece of archaeological find and, 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 and uh, 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 preservation. And so 25,000. And the Bible says that some of them, you know, they, they were causing a great uproar. And, and uh, the leaders were wanting to pull Paul in and literally kill him. Because they figured if they killed Paul, he would stop preaching. And if he stopped preaching, people would stop getting saved. And if they stopped getting saved, they would stop destroying their idols. And if they didn't destroy their idols, certainly they would want to buy more. And the silversmiths could make some money and get rich. And, you know, so... Uh, but the Bible says that a good portion, at least, of those 25,000 did not even know what they were writing about. They weren't personally upset. They weren't personally affected. But when people start lying and screaming and shouting and, and, and accusing and, and telling bad things as they did uh, you know, with Jesus in Jerusalem, you know, it was good people. It was common people that Jesus had, had you know, that they were on not against Jesus that day in Jerusalem that were screaming, Barabbas, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. You know, the, the, these were common good people. There were just a few instigators. There's always just a few instigators, just a few bad actors that, that are loud and that are willing to lie and cheat and accuse and, and do horrible, ungodly things to try to get their way and it's normally about power and about control and about ultimately money so the apostle paul as you know that night if you've read acts chapter 19 specifically after god had done great miracles in ephesus through the apostle paul's hands miracles that had not been seen before here now after two years the city is in such an uproar that the Apostle Paul is almost killed. Finally, one of the city leaders 
stands up and says, hold on, he's like a city manager. Listen, he quieted the crowd and he said, listen, we are in danger today of being called into question about having an unruly mob, about having this riot in public, which is against Roman law. And if you want to deal with the Roman soldiers that will no doubt be here soon and arrest some of you and start questioning you and start, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, adjudicating this and you, you some of you are going to, you know, no doubt have to pay for this. So you had better be quiet and you better go home because the Romans don't give a flip about you. So the crowd quieted down and they went on. We pick up in the first chapter of the uh, first verse of chapter 20. Okay. The Apostle Paul is about 51 years old. He might be, you know, 50 and a half. He might be 52, somewhere right in there. And, uh, and uh, there had just been this great uproar. Well, verse 1, New King James Version. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed for Macedonia. Now, now uh, after the uproar had ceased... Paul uh, was, was not just going to allow himself just to be kicked out in the middle of a bunch of uproar. But, you know, after it had ceased, after it went down, after it calmed down, after everything calmed down, Paul really realized it, it, it's time to, to go. So he called the disciples, his followers, uh, those that were there with him and helping him, and, and he ended up departing to Macedonia. Macedonia is uh, literally, he would have gotten on a boat there, most likely at Ephesus, and, and sailed north along the coastline of Turkey, and then turned left after maybe a day, day and a half, and went about a day and a half to the left and went right over to Greece, okay? He had been to Greece before. That's the, the upper part of Greece. Macedonia is the area where Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and the regions of Apollonia and, and uh, 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 Amphipolis are. That's Macedonia, the northern part of, of, of Greece there. And uh, uh, the, he had been there before. He had been there five years ago. Y'all remember five years earlier, he had been put in jail in Philippi for you know, casting the devil out of this woman who, again, it was about money. Her owners had a business, and she was you know, fortune-telling, and now she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. And so they got in an uproar, and Paul and Silas, y'all know, they, five years earlier, they were dragged into the city center because they had cost some businessmen some money, and, and they were stripped naked in public. They were beaten and thrown into jail. Y'all remember that? Uh, it, had been a, it had been a pretty rough time, y'all know. Well, now he had been in Ephesus and almost, we don't even know, we do not even know all the things the Apostle Paul went through in Ephesus. But we know that there was a lot more than just this one incident. And so in verse 2, uh, now he, he departed to go to Macedonia. Uh, uh, and so in verse 2, now when he had gone over that region of Macedonia, and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece. Now, the, 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 what they're talking about is, the, is, is that southern part of Greece. You know, here at about, I don't know, 10 days or so, uh, uh, I, I think 30 of us will be there. And you'll, you know, the northern part of Macedonia, Philippi and stuff, and, and, and down where he's talking about Greece is, is Athens and Corinth and, and those places. And so when he came into Greece, he came down south. He stayed down south for about three months. Uh, specifically, uh, we, we know that he was actually uh, in Corinth for most of this time. And when the Jews plotted against him, 
as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Instead of getting on a ship there and, and going back uh, to Syria, he decided to walk on up and go back through uh, Philippi and such. And we know that he left Philippi and, and, uh, and went back. Now, now, the biblical account does not give us a lot of details about this visit. This was uh, the second time, as we understand, that Paul had been into Europe, had been to Macedonia, had been uh, you know, all, all to these cities, Philippi, Thessalonica. And, uh, but but uh, you know, uh, no doubt... Uh, no doubt the Apostle Paul uh, visited, spent some time in Philippi, spent some time in Berea, spent some time in Thessalonica. Now, while Paul was in Ephesus, just before he left Ephesus, he had written a letter. We have it as 1 Corinthians. He wrote that in Ephesus. He sent it to the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth had some problems in it. Some of the Christians were carnal. They were upsetting you know, the apple cart and the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, so uh, and then Paul goes back over to Macedonia. And while he's in Macedonia, while Paul is there in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, we don't know exactly which city, but while he is there, he gets news that Corinth has received his first letter and they have embraced it. And they have changed the things that he wanted them to change. And they have straightened up their act. The church has quit arguing and fussing and fighting and acting you know, more important and more spiritual than others. And, and they have you know, stopped sinning. And you know, there was some public sinning going on. They had stopped that in Corinth. And so the Apostle Paul is in like Thessalonica, Philippi, maybe Berea. And he gets that news. He is so excited because he's not, he has not been looking forward to going down to Corinth because he was concerned if I visit Corinth, if I go down south and go to Corinth and they hadn't changed these things, whoo, no doubt the Holy Ghost is going to come out of me and I am going to, you know, they're going to see my power, he said. He said, I, I, I won't be coming to you with some, you know, timid look. You will know my power. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about don't make me have to come down there. That He'd already told him that. So he gets word that they have changed. They, they, they've cleaned up their act. Now they're you know, loving one another like they should. They're waiting on one another. They've stopped all the bad stuff and stopped the sin in the church. And, and, and they'd started, you know, they had stopped segregating. They had been segregating. One was over here with this group. One was with that group. And they had little schisms, little, little, little groups in the church that were just, you know, little. Uh, they had stopped all that. Here he is in Macedonia, up north on the island of Greece. And... Greece an island? I don't know. Uh, anyway, he's in Greece. And so he hears that they had received the first letter. Oh, it just makes him so happy because he was not looking forward to going down there. Now he is looking forward to going down there. But he's not quite finished with Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And so he sits down and writes a second letter. He's going to write this second letter now while he's in Macedonia, just, you know, just, just, you know, no more than just a few months, no more than two or three months before he goes down to visit them. And so let's look in 2 Corinthians, this letter that Paul is writing. You remember, he's been, you know, he'd been treated bad in Ephesus, but he'd been treated bad everywhere he goes. And he's gone to Macedonia. 
While he's there, he hears Corinth has received the first letter. Oh, he's so happy. He sits down and writes them this letter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints who are uh, in all Acacia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. Oh, man, Whoo! glory to God, because he is feeling this. He is, the Apostle Paul is feeling this, that God as a God of mercy. Now, now he's, he's pointing this mercy even at himself. He's pointing this comfort even at himself, that God has even had mercy on me, and God has comforted me. I tell you what, I, woo, I am an apostle. I am, uh, you know, grace to you, peace from God. Bless the name of God and Jesus. He's the Father of mercies, and he's the God of all comfort. Down in verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. He's referring to what just happened to me in Ephesus. I don't want you to be ignorant of, of what those people over in Asia did to me. <laughs> I don't want you to be ignorant of how they came against me. I don't want you to be ignorant of, of, of how bad it was and how, how tough it was. And how, how, you know, I don't want you to be ignorant of the trouble which came. <laughs> There's the title of my message, Trouble Came. Here the Apostle Paul is doing the will of God. Here the Apostle Paul is teaching in a Bible school. Here the Apostle Paul is seeing people saved. Here the Apostle Paul is turning families around and, and restoring relationships and building the kingdom. And trouble came. Yeah, trouble came. It almost killed him. But not only did it almost kill him, trouble came. Not only did it almost kill, not only did it almost kill him, but it also depressed him. We'll see. I don't want you to be ignorant of all the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, above anything I was able to do about it. I was not able to do anything about the trouble that came to me. It was beyond measure. It was more than I have ever seen. I can't even tell you how bad it was so that we even despaired of life. I even got depressed thinking that this was going to cost me everything, even my life. Wow. Verse 9, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. I'm talking about, I'm thinking I'm not going to survive this. I don't want you to be ignorant of what I just went through, he said. Over in Asia, over in Turkey, over in Ephesus. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. Yeah, I felt like I was going to die. I didn't think I was going to be able to make it. It was beyond measure. It was beyond hope. It was beyond my strength. I tell you, I despaired of life. It was like I had the sentence of death upon me. I was depressed. I was, I was, I was you know, it, it was just so burdened upon me that I could not even trust myself I didn't even have any trust but I did I decided I did I did have trust in God I counted myself dead but I know God raises the dead to life that's what he did in Paul's life 
who delivered us, verse 10, from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us, you also pay close attention to that you also. We'll talk about it in just a moment. You also helping together in prayer for us. You had a part in this as well, people in Corinth, the Corinthian church. You were also a part of our deliverance. I couldn't do it, nothing I could do. All that I knew is that, 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 that God could, could, could change how I felt and change what was going on, that God can change situations, circumstances, that God can change what was going on on the inside of me. He delivered us from so great a death, and He does deliver us and will yet deliver us, and you also helped together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. What he's saying is, there was a gift that I received from God, and the gift I received was deliverance. He took care of my despair. He took care of my depression. He took care of my worry, and he kept those people from killing me. He delivered me, but let me tell you why he delivered me. Because he is a God of mercy, and because he is a God that cares about me. He is a God that is a merciful God, a caring God, a loving God, but also he's a God that heard your prayers for me and all the other people that were praying and he gave me this great gift because you helped together the gift granted to us through many our focus this evening uh, you've heard the wonderful story but let's focus on verse 10 for just a moment second corinthians 1 verse 10 listen to this who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Now, don't be ignorant of the fact that trouble came. He wasn't looking for it. He didn't deserve it. You know, it wasn't, wasn't anything, that, any rhyme or reason to it. You know, it wasn't trouble from God, but it was trouble from the devil. It came through circumstances, events, and through other people. And often trouble comes to people who don't deserve it and didn't expect it. Trouble comes to saints and sinners alike. However, when we turn our lives over to God, we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ. Paul's message to the church is plain in verse 10. Number one, he says, God has delivered us. He's talking about past tense. I want you to know that God has delivered us. God has delivered us. The second thing he said in verse 10 is that God does deliver us. Not only has God delivered us, but God does. God is right now. I am being delivered. Every day I am being delivered. Every day I, because of the mercy and the love of God and the comfort of God, even in my despair, but also because people are praying for me. Do you know why I stand here? Do you know why I have the ability to search these scriptures like this? Do you know why I'm able to tell you the truth in a way that you can understand it do you know why the words that i speak are words that pierce your heart that actually speak to your life in your situation do you know why that you will take these words and be delivered by them it's because so many are praying for me so many are praying oh god give him a word for me give him a word lord help my pastor lord help that teacher of the word god let me tell you this is not in myself it's not in me it's not 
in ourselves. I do trust God that he can raise the dead and he can speak through a donkey. But let me tell you, you have a part in what God is doing in the earth. Not only in your life, but you have a part in what God is doing through so many. And if they get deliverance, if they get deliverance from their despair, if they find comfort, if they find mercy... It could be because of all the people that are praying for them. God says it all works together. I do not know why God has made it a partnership between heaven and earth. But he has. We pray. He moves. He changes things. God has delivered us. God does deliver us. And then number three, verse 10 said, God will deliver us. God will still, he said. God will continue. You know, you have been delivered. You know you have been. You know God has moved in your life at some point. And you know right now you are being sustained by a miracle. You are probably more in the middle of a miracle than you give yourself credit for. You may think, oh my goodness, God is far off from me. But you are in the middle of a miracle. You're in the palm of his hand. He's never left. He's never forsaken you. He would not. You cannot throw yourself off the train that God has you on. You are more in the will of God. Your children are on a path that intersects with God's will for their life. Your children's children are going to be covered by God we must not allow circumstances situations the devil to destroy our hope or to get our, get us in a place where we cannot imagine that God can do something about this it may not be in me and normally it is not my deliverance is seldom in me okay but my deliverance is in God and you and your deliverance is also in those that are praying for you. Jesus felt this way whenever he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Whenever he was in his darkest hour, he asked for the prayers of his friends. He wanted his friends to pray for him. Don't, don't, don't be in a place where you won't ask people for prayer. That's not the pattern Jesus left us with. Jesus left us with a with a, an example to ask your friends for prayer. Tell them what you're going through. Ask them for prayer. Because through the prayers of many, the gift of God was poured out on the Apostle Paul. This is the way it works. You know, God is the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. And you also help in these times of trouble. Uh, that's what verse 11 said. Uh, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. You know, it took many people praying to deliver Paul. You remember that happened to Peter when Peter was you know, thrown in jail in Jerusalem early on in the church right after James, the brother of John, had been beheaded and, 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 and they expected Peter to be brought out and killed the next day. He was going to be executed the next day. But yet the Bible says that the church made prayer for Peter without ceasing. And an angel showed up and delivered Peter from the jail. Why? Because of the prayers, the example, the indication, the model, the pattern, the, 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 the teaching. What we draw from that is that our prayers make a difference. I do not know why God has decided to partner with people who pray and angels in heaven, but he has. He has. In fact, the angels, the Bible says, they hearken unto the voice of God's word to do his bidding. Wow, amazing, huh? Well, uh, I have...
to encourage you tonight to do a couple of things. Number one, you know, to hope. And number two, uh, you know, uh, to let, let the word stir up your faith. And, and, and then number three, I want you to make sure that you pray. Pray for others. Pray for others. Your prayers make a difference. You never know. You never know. Yours might be the one that just pushes that over the edge. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.